Hello. 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 Hello, Detroit. So, just recently, Life Remodel announced that they wanted to um, buy the abandoned high school in Detroit called Cooley, as it used to be called. It's been abandoned since 2010. They offered about 400000 to remodel it. They offered it to the um, people who owned the school building. What do you guys think about that? They act, wait, before I, before you answer that, they actually want to turn it into something like how dirty is. Like how we have all these extra programs and things that you can do after school hours. You can come into school and do all of this. It's like a hub for like resources and opportunities and everything. So do you guys think that we need another one of those in Detroit? Honestly, I like the idea of it. And especially with it being Cooley High. My mom graduated from Cooley along with a lot of my older family members. Oh, yeah, that's dope. Uh, I feel like it being Cooley is symbolic. Yeah. What do you Keep, feel like the symbol is or like the symbol? The symbol is bringing back something that's precious to the community and giving you something that's precious to the community. I can see that for sure. Because Cooley getting taken away kind of made people look at the area a little different. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if having them together or farther apart is better. I like when they're far apart because when I come here, I have to travel seven, ten, uh, about seven miles away. Uh, having the closer it is, it's it's amazing uh, being in this area. You can just walk. You can yeah. barely you just go down the street. So I actually do live in this area, and I walk a lot of places around here. I don't really like bus or nothing like that. I walk a lot actually. Like, and we like right by downtown. So. Oh yeah. And Detroit is such a, what people say it's big, it's big in how much land it has, uh, but that's a double-edged sword because it takes longer for people to get places without using a car. In and other cities, it's way easier, way easier. You actually bringing up land, I think that um, it's very important that we mention that Cooley High School sits on about 18 acres of land in Detroit. Like, yeah. That's a big building. They could do a lot. They could put a lot of things a in lot that of space building. space not to be occupied. Like, I don't know. I, don't yeah, know. I feel like so the possibilities are yeah. endless. Like, it's like a bucket of potential right there. Oh, yeah. I I know what 1.75 acres look like. It looks like it's, it's big. Uh, 18 acres. Usually, uh, when it comes to other cities and trying to do projects with buildings or with land it's way harder mm -hmm. because every single square inch of that land in that city Count. especially Count. downtown is accounted for someone owns it no one wants to get rid of their land everyone's charging a premium especially in detroit <laughs> oh yeah and you can see that uh from midtown and downtown the amount of money being uh, put into it is like focused on certain areas. And the more of these community buildings and like remodeled high schools that have all these programs, hopefully it will attract that money coming into the city. So and this it, is my thing about that though. A lot of times with that money coming into the city that that's also like gentrification coming in. Like they pushing the black people out. They want us to go elsewhere. When like these things are being made for us because this is our area and our community. Uh, I see what you mean. The uh, investments in uh, downtown and midtown yeah. is more 
people with money put you want to be up like in those places, but something like this is serving the community. I know I I feel now that you told me that I feel the exact same way. That makes perfect sense. So these things always have a good side and a downside. Basically, is what I'm hearing. Oh yeah, some stuff more than others when it comes to either serving the community or serving the people who want to invest. Uh, just like anything else, like uh, when you buy stocks, uh, the stockholders want more money. That's all they want. They don't care about the business unless it has to do with the business earning more money. But uh, it kind of works the same with cities. Or the business image. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for more people to, to invest. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes that co- comes at a cost of if everyone's just uh, worrying about money, it's going to be a short-term thing. Like, there's no long-term plan for the whole thing. It's just short-term, you know. But I know exactly, uh, you know, what you're talking about. I kind of feel like in other cities, when it comes to gentrification, it happens really fast. Like, they literally say this section of this big city is now well Detroit is the blackest city in like yeah yeah so it's like it's gonna be harder to try to gentrify the blackest city oh yeah it's gonna be hard and and everything spread out like if from there's not just downtown and midtown oh no they're starting to move down here especially since we're so like close you can literally see the transformation like oh yeah yeah it's not like it's not happening at the edge of the city. It's happening to the closest and it, it spreads out and spreads out. And I hope people, uh, I've seen, uh, I've seen plenty of black people fix up some of these houses in Detroit and they've, they've done wonders and the houses they have, um, are going to be worth so much, even if it's not going to be worth much in the short, like, five to ten year span but in the long term in the long term course, yeah because when you look there's no other city that you could do projects like this too like i've heard with other bigger cities uh chicago uh san francisco the building code laws are just so strict you can't do anything yeah you can't do a single thing without someone having to approve what you're doing. I think in some places you can't even uh, build the extension to your house without it being yeah, approved. Yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. So in a lot of places you can't, you cannot build anything to the house you own without yeah. it being approved by Oh the yeah, city. plenty of people say that. Matter of fact, I've heard people say, it feels like the city owns my house and- And not me. <laughs> and not me. Uh, yeah. And I feel like it's different for Detroit because Every building uh, the community has, they cherish it once they put so much in there. It's like a part of the community. It's not just uh, something that feels like they have no control over. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think is real interesting? Y'all decided to talk about gentrification and the housing market because I've been talking about the housing market a lot lately. And uh, I was thinking about the fact that uh 2024 coming the 2024 draft is coming to the detroit uh downtown basically the heart of it it's gonna bring in a whole lot of people from other cities and other states 
And uh, what I've been saying that I think, and I didn't even think of it quite as gentrification, but I know it's going to be thousands and thousands of people coming to Detroit, seeing nice big houses because that's the area they're going to be in. Yep. A lot of people going to want to buy. Have, are you guys actually, people are not going to think about the area they're in because they're not familiar with the area. They ain't going to care about that much as much how as close people is it in to, the city. How close is it to downtown and midtown? How safe is it? Yeah. Uh, nothing, as far as I know, I've seen uh, travel guides for Detroit, and one of the travel guides was very uh, honest. They said, nothing's going to happen to you in downtown Detroit. You don't have to worry. But they that's all they said. They didn't say anything else about the rest of Detroit. I don't I don't even like when people come with that approach because you can't that's not true. nobody. No, no, I know anything. But that's from an outsider. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a good sales pitch, I tell you that. Definitely a good sales pitch. <laughs> oh yeah. If if <laughs> he and, tried to sell so and travel guides are not usually they're like they don't really try to be misleading like that, but it's not. They the have no reason pitch. to. Yeah, they want people to travel to places, and if you say something yeah, the about the best way is to assure you your peace and your safety. Yeah, yeah, that's eighty percent of the time. That's why you're traveling anyway. I need some peace yeah. and sanity, so let me go somewhere else. Oh yeah, and you know, people like Detroit's like the worst. It's like it's like fame for being dangerous, uh, dangerous <laughs> like fame. Even though I've uh, watched plenty of videos talking about uh places that are dangerous mm -hmm. and it's crazy how uh having a lot of people in your city skews the numbers yeah uh, this right, guy though? this guy showed me these ten thousand fifty thousand dollars uh fifty thousand people towns <laughs> and they said no this place is real dangerous like because there's so little people if you have a high enough crime rate, it can surpass the big cities. So with big cities, it's only the amount, it's the amount that people see. Mm. It like scales up with some cities, especially if it's like yeah, deprived, yeah, exactly. it, it all matters, it's magnified. Uh, but with the gentrification, when it comes to Detroit, the investments, as far as I've seen, have been slow. Some parts I've heard stories about. Oh no, uh, they did it on town really that's fast. That's what my well, mother if you know told how to me. Build that equity, even you could not, get, even before you get to real deep downtown, like when you like on Grand River and Selden type area, they did a lot of work right there too. Like, and that they did that fast. I just was living on Selden less than five, ten years ago, and it did not look like that. Oh yeah. So like that happened fast, and even the um. What's that high school that's like right there? Like by Cass, I mean not by Cass, like on Cass or something in King. I want to say it's like a prep school or something. Everybody used to go there. I can't remember what it was called. But um, that school was open, they closed mm -hmm. it down and now they're rebuilding it all in less than five years. Oh yeah, uh, twenty t uh, between 20 years and 10 years. Uh, my mother told me that there used to be empty skyscrapers in midtown and downtown yeah yeah that uh, but when it comes to it's very strange in detroit because there's no empty skyscrapers in any more like richer cities uh or well, sometimes vacant because but detroit of the also had its fall though when a lot of people left and all that oh yeah so 
that this definitely year. played a part in empty buildings and skyscrapers and all that. Yep, it was a it's a unique problem with Detroit. Uh, it's this city is supposed to have a capacity around two million people. That's what it was built for. That's why there's so many houses and it's such a big uh, landmass. Uh, so why do you guys think people are leaving Detroit or left Detroit and are just now coming back? Um, a lot of it probably got to do with real life situations, like as far as things like people life situations, even money situations. And then I think a lot of it is because of premeditated notions about what they think going to happen or who they think around and how they think Detroit dangerous. I think it has to do so with... So how do you think we change that narrative? I think we're doing a pretty good job of it right now. I do too, but <laughs> how do we get it to where people see it? Because right now, I don't think people seeing and hearing this. I mean, I think the way we keep on going about it is that we showing. You know, we building the buildings, we changing the land. And then how do we hold ourselves accountable for that, though? Like, how do we... Oh, uh, you mean for the stereotype, the narrative of yeah. Detroit being dangerous? How do we? I say we just keep on showing them. I mean, all right. I, I, think, I like the way we're doing it. I think it's all about the the parents. The it, parents. It's, it's the parents. Uh, it, it's so crazy. It's very crazy. Uh, well, not crazy, but it's so surprising how much a family uh, could help you out. Like there's there's yeah, literally definitely. situations where your parents have uh, not decided for you, but been involved in a life or death situation uh, with you, like your well-being, you mm. know, even with uh, having less money uh, than the average person in the average city. Uh, because Detroit's very impoverished. So let me ask you a question. Are you saying that because of these situations, you feel like we're growing more violently? Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, no. What I'm saying is uh, may, a part making Detroit better, and I've seen it in my family, uh, is holding people accountable. Uh, my family uh, has been so great to me. Like, they've helped me so much. Like more than any program uh, could, because I've heard so many stories about uh, my mom's like brothers or cousins dying, and it, it just breaks my heart the stories they tell me. Right? Well, can I? Uh, I want to throw this out there. Uh, okay, your parents your first teacher, right? True. But everybody don't get to choose their parents. True. And everybody don't get to choose their family. So when you throw it around a narrative of a parent, I understand, but everybody don't have that um, visual. Of that great family that you, you know, have. That, that, uh, that model to look at. Everybody don't have the, you know, everybody okay. don't have the yeah, I hear, model, I hear raw people. model and whatnot. But uh, as far as while we was talking about the city, I think the city, like these youth centers and the community centers, mm -hmm. like all the way down from the west to the east, even uh, all everybody that do the unemployment and allow programs in their rooms and their buildings and their halls to show people the right thing to do mm -hmm. and how to go about handling their business and how to learn and 
empower the city. Yeah, that's why I say I feel like we're doing it right because even people who don't got family, who don't know, you know, necessarily which way to go or what way they can go inside one of these community centers. Yeah, and that's what's being funded for people so they could actually be helped. They yeah. got somebody here. Yeah, when you said uh, you like the way you're doing it, I know he's, I, I know what you mean. You like the way the community, you like the way the community is developing. Yeah, we got people in the community, just sitting there waiting, waiting to help. Oh yeah, Crusties and what's up? Yeah, it's it's crazy, like the amount of work people put in. Uh, I kind of feel like it's not a race. You know, you only have. I'm not saying you only have one chance to make your city great, but you have one chance to build the city that that you want to build, right? You don't want other people outside of your city building it for you, right? You built the city around your community, you got something real good, right? Because having deep communal ties is the type of relationship that uh build that builds communities. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. And uh I think a good way that we showing everybody from different places too is uh they told us that we'll never have another Super Bowl here. We said bring a draft here. That's good negotiation skills. That's saying come look at our city. We still want people here. Oh yeah. It, it's the I've noticed that with Michigan. Uh, it's really very strange, the population in Michigan. There's not people leaving or people coming in. It's like a, it stays the same, yeah, right? Detroit is different. Detroit's different uh, because there's a lot of space. But I was like, when it, people talk about, oh, people are leaving this state to go to this state, all that type of stuff. Yeah, uh, that with Michigan, yeah, that people don't talk Michiganders about. Michiganders say they Michiganders. They got a name for this. So. Oh, oh, yeah. Any <laughs> Traders got a name for this, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, because when you think about it, all, like, all these states in the Midwest, their country, it's all, it's all, like, it's all, like, nature, parks, <laughs> All that type of stuff. You and don't like nature? No, no, it's, it's all nature. No, no, it's all. Uh, I, man, I, I love man, it. That's why they say y'all know y'all city. Because we from Mississippi, we city. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they come to a big town. But I still think we a different type of city because we not like city city. Like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, people always talk about, I just saw a wolf. I just saw a coyote yeah, or yeah. something crazy like that. Uh in big cities, you're not going to see any of that, right? Yeah. It have people said uh, it's so empty in Detroit. I kind of feel like if you take care of the land, that ep- emptiness is actually a plus because you can, you can. It's a clean slate. You can, you can do, do whatever, whatever you want. want. You can do whatever you want. Build you can something. build something for the community. Start a garden. Start a garden. Anything. Look. Even just taking. I was care. talking about that. Uh, my granddaddy saying that's a big piece of land, and we was thinking about good stuff. If we was to buy it, to do with it, and uh, like a greenhouse was one of the things that came to mind. But not like 
you know, some some type of gated up section locked up stuff. Like no, that. something for the community. Yeah. yeah, community greenhouse. I definitely think that'd be a good idea though, for sure. Because I mean, there's lots out there. Nobody doing anything. Yeah, Big but it, again, it'd be about who own it. If they willing to let you use it, all different types of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I kind of think Detroit's very unique. I don't know any other city that has a program to encourage people to buy lots that are next to them. Uh, that doesn't happen. There's like people, that type of, uh, in other cities, that type of ownership, people outside the city or people inside the city feels over land. Yeah. It's just, it's so tight and so restrictive. Uh, like the city of Detroit, uh, you always want the best person, right? And you want the best policies. Policies can make or break a city. And because there's so much tragedy happened in Detroit, people want to fix it, right? Uh, just to build it up. Uh, and I believe Detroiters could, like, if they, it's it, you're already doing it. But like the more we put in, the more we're going to get. And the more we encourage other people, the more people there is to like put that energy towards. It takes man, it just takes hours and hours of individuals free time. They could be spending working and they're spending on the city. So it's just, I, I feel very hopeful. Um, no matter how long it takes, if it takes 20 years, takes 50 years, uh, I just I just planted some fruit trees. It's crazy. Uh, other cities, when it comes to something as simple as a fruit tree, they don't have it. But there's a couple of fruit trees oh, yeah. around the city. Oh, yeah. It's in my backyard. <laughs> oh, no, we have great uh, soil to grow stuff in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Michigan was originally like... Uh, <clears throat> Detroit was originally like agriculture and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, we very uh we have the history for that. But I do want to talk about how Chris Rock gotta put a second show on his tour in Detroit after this whole Will Smith interaction. Do you guys think it was all like for play play so he could get more numbers, or do you think Will like genuinely genuinely slapped this man? Like for real. Like I don't want to speculate, but it was great publicity. <laughs> Hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, when it comes to the effects on people's reputations, it's very, uh, it's like a, it's not net negative or net positive. Everyone's still fine. Will Smith is just fine. He, he hasn't been kicked out, like, or any of that type of stuff. But you know they have been talking about um, taking his Oscar back. Oh, yeah. People are definitely uh, <laughs> thinking about that. But it's kind of strange that... I think that would be petty. I, I definitely do, too. Oh, yeah. Take taking the Oscar back. But what once you're so famous, there's, like, resistance, you know. They know if they do that, people will feel very strongly about it. So I kind of believe... My thing about that is, <clears throat> no matter how strongly you feel about me being famous, I'm still a person. Yeah. <laughs> like, and if I feel like this man just disrespecting my wife, then yeah, there's a lot of people. I'm gonna, act, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna something as a human being. I've heard plenty of people say, uh, "I'm glad he did that," because I would want 
my man to do that for me. And that's their personal opinion. That's they comedians. Sometimes stuff happens. Sometimes regular, a lot of times, like I've heard regular people say that, and that just humanizes that really. <coughs> like, so, are y'all thinking that comedians actually do take things too far now, or do y'all think the word is just too sensitive these days? It's hard we to be got a freedom of speech here. People must just be sensitive, huh? So you do think that it's okay to make any type of joke you want about anybody you want? I don't think that you could say too many things that don't offend people. Somebody gonna be offended. I got that. That's pretty much I'm asking anything. do you think that comedians should be able to joke about anything that they want? Well, it's a freedom of speech, so yeah, they can, but they're gonna catch the backlash out of the repercussions. No, you keep you keep like being technical. I say yes, I do think think they they should should? be able to say whatever they want, and the truth gonna come to light. You gonna see who that person is. I have to be honest. uh, When it comes to comedians, I would never want that job. Like, (laughs) I I and it's funny. You, it's it is very hilarious because. Yeah, I'm like, uh, plenty of people say, hey, you're a funny guy, you know, stuff like that. But when you're a comedian, you got some feelings to hurt. (laughs) You got to, you have to. So you don't think you can be funny without hurting feelings? No, it's uh, the best of the best. The people who get paid the most have risked, uh, taking calculated risks with their jokes. But you have to have the, 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 the forethought of something like what's going to offend people or do I want to joke about? So, you know what? I can't say this is something that I respect about Dave Chappelle. Whenever he makes his jokes and he knows it might be offensive, he definitely does give his trigger warning. He like, well, I'm going to say this. And, you know, I don't really care how you feel about it. Not that I, you know, feel any type of way about this certain group of people. You get what I'm saying? So Dave Chappelle, I just feel like it's more respectable because he does, he is open and honest about how he feels about him being a comedian. You He's very me? transparent. And I very love that about Dave Chappelle. I watch any of his stand-ups. Oh, yeah. And, and it helps being a, a comedian who has experience. That's like, it's it's a very, a lot of comedians have to earn it. Like, that is very true. Earn it. Like, you, it's very hard. Not only do you have to be funny once, you got to be funny. Every time you get on the Almost stage. every time. And when you really mess up, you have to take it. You have to take it like you're a comedian. You got to really, people are watching, like comedians are probably the most scrutinized people. Uh, you're watched. You have to make people laugh. Uh, you have to have an audience. You have to have people who care about your stand-up. Usually, uh it's not just how funny they are, it's how much people like you. Uh, and a lot of people like black or white. A lot of people like Dave Chappelle a lot. Um, and guess what? He talk about both groups of people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You've heard the people uh, with Dave Chappelle's uh, stand-up, how people were laughing. They, yeah. they were just ready to hear him uh, speak. You know, a lot of that comedic genius is about relatability. And you got to understand some people going to relate to your perspective and some people not. So you got to know how to narrate from a perspective that somebody understands a lot of times. 
Because if you just talk out the back of your head, oh, how yeah. do you feel? But it's also, so the thing is about Dave Chappelle and the reason why I feel like a lot of people like him and he's so different is like, he does not just talk from the aspect of him. He's able to look at things from multiple different aspects and understand them and talk about and relate to all these different aspects, which makes it easier for him to talk about his aspect, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And I feel like that's a very respectable like trait in a comedian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like another conversation of pulling back that curtain to see who really runs the. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So yeah. we're going to actually start wrapping this show up. Anything you guys want to say before we, you know, cut out? I say it's uh, been a pleasure speaking with you all. It's been nice thinking about that. I'm going to have to continue to. Have oh, a yeah. More thought about that. This is an educational podcast, too. Yeah. This was <laughs> a good conversation, guys. Oh, yeah. I loved it.